morning, good morning, man. So good to have you. Thank you so much for that this morning, guys. Well, that was pretty awesome. Uh, man, I, I'm excited. Today is the uh, second to last stop on our journey through Ephesians chapter 3. And it really, mostly the last half of Ephesians chapter 3. And we've been, we've been kind of going on a, a, at a slow pace, haven't we? It's been good, hasn't it, man? I've heard so many of you loved, have loved this series. We kind of walked verse by verse through uh, this, this so important uh, chapter uh, and p- portion of scripture. And so this morning, we are almost there. Uh, we're almost to verse 20. I'm going to read it for you again this morning, but it's verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everyone say immeasurably. Yeah, immeasurably more than we all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Man, it's just been in my heart this whole season as we've done prayer and fasting and such been in my heart this whole season that we uh, that we just understand this and believe this right like really believe that live our lives with that as as a big part and and see that as being what drives our church and our understanding that is such a cool cool scripture listen to what the message paraphrase how the message paraphrase interprets this verse is god can do anything you know it says, far more than you can ask or ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit gently and deeply within us. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? See, I think along the ways we ask and dream and think and such, we ask God to do these things, I think it's important for us to understand what God can do in us. If our faith is just left outside, outside can have a very significant impact, right? It can have an impact on many things. It can feel right. It it can feel good because it's pretty normal for the most part. Outside faith can be something important to us. We may move forward to a certain extent, yet still, we're going to feel like we're missing something. It'll feel like, like like a piano that's out of tune. And we won't have faith, we'll have religion, yet think we have faith all along. See, in many ways, that's what Paul is starting to drive home, and we're really going to finish this thought off next Sunday morning. But Paul's driving this thought home. Listen to verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Man, that's got to, we got to pause. That, that's huge, right? That, that's a huge thing. See, you don't get to verse 20, the immeasurably be more, before first passing through this. Let's, let's drill down deeper. I, I want to look at a passage uh, in, in John where Jesus is talking, right? Where Jesus is sharing with his disciples in verse 4, 15 of chapter 14. It says, he's, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I've heard this a lot of times preached. I've preached it. I've I've talked about this oftentimes, and it's true, man. But the thought from Jesus is not complete yet. You see, we oftentimes look at this and say, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's like, so you better keep my commandments, right? You better do the stuff I tell you you should do. And that's that's absolutely critical, but but he's not finished yet. Let's, Let's skip down to verse 21. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show, and some translations say reveal, I will reveal myself to them. The word love is in that passage that Jesus talked about an awful lot. 
And what Jesus does here is he does an interesting thing. He, he ties two seemingly opposite I words. He ties two opposite ideals and he ties them together. He ties command and love together. He tries them together. And I got two, uh, I've got two volunteers this morning. We're going to talk about this. So guys, come on up if you could. And, and so on this side over here, we, we have commands. And commands are clear, right? We, we know that God has called us to do some things. And it's true. If you're a new believer this morning, if you're a new Christian, uh, God loves you, but God loves you so much, he is not going to leave you where you are. You have some things that you are going to have to change and do when you follow Jesus. There are some things you're going to have to do differently than you did before. When you were not in Christ, there, you may live your life in some way. When you're in Christ, there are some things you got to do. And these are his commands, and they're critical, and they're important. So if you're a new believer, you have to listen. There will be change in your life. But on this side, we have love, right? And I've noticed something. I've noticed that the longer I serve God, the longer I know people that serve God, the longer this happens, what's interesting is we move away from, uh, we, we still know the commands, but we move away from the love part, and we kind of somehow try to by bypass that and just do the commands without walking in love with God. And that church is not good. That's not the call. We are either, we, are, we, we generally speak, either say, oh, God loves everybody. God just cares. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you follow the commands or not. God loves you. That's one side. It's error. There's another side that says, oh, God is all commands, and you got to serve, and you better get in line. Son, you better get in line. Daughter, you better do this. You better do that. If you don't do that, you're, 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 you're banished to hell. And we kind of go on that side, and there's no love. Jesus ties both of these things together. And he tells us, see, if you, if you, you love me, you keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you need to know and need to learn how to love me. And see, the enemy has tried, been trying to untie these things ever since by making one without the other seem like a noble deed. Man, you got to hear that today. It's not a noble deed to love God without following his commands. It's not a noble deed to love, to do his commands without loving God. He has tied them together. It's, not a no, it's a noble deed to walk with him in both those things. You see, you can follow God's commands without planting your obedience in love. You can, you can love God and not do what he says. Well, no. See, why? That's not how it works. Think about the, the first listeners here. These are the disciples. They are, are literally hearing and seeing Jesus say these words. Now i got a question. Why in the world? Why in the world would people who can see Jesus talking, who have walked with him through his ministry, of, I mean, they've, they've been there. Why in the world would these guys who have had unprecedented access to Jesus, why would they need him to reveal himself to them? Here's the answer this morning. Because there's a difference between knowing someone, right, and knowing someone personally. I, I know people. I, I know lots of people. I know lots of, 
I know lots about a lot of people. But there are few people that I know well, right? There's few people that I have this intimate knowledge and understanding of who they are. There's few people in the world that I can look at them and say, I know what you're thinking because I, I, I'm with you because I, I know you so much. There, there's not many. I, my, my wife, right? My, my kids. You see, what's so funny is that those people that I have that relationship with, there's, there's one thing in common between all those relationships and that is I, I love them and I would do anything for them. And they love me and they would do anything for me. See, that's a, that's a big deal. You can't have one without the other. You can't love God and not do what he's called you to do. You also can't do what he's called you to do without having that kind of love relationship with him. It, it isn't possible. But yet we think it is. We, and, and that's where you get, that's where religion is birthed, right? You, you, we think it's possible, but it's not, right? You can't do that. You can't do that. See, so here's a big question this morning. Do you know Jesus personally? Now, I didn't ask you if he's, you know, he's your personal savior. Right? I didn't ask you that. that. That's not what I said this morning. Uh, you know, like, of course, I know. No, no, no. I, I asked him, do you know Jesus as a person? I'm not talking about, do you know his love, his power? I'm not even talking about how good it is for us to keep his word or how well you've done that. No, 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 none of that. Do you know Jesus as a person? Church, you and I need a revelation of the love of Jesus. Because it's possible to be in his fan club, and, and many people are, and, and, and not know him personally. Because Jesus doesn't want fans, he wants friends. You can be his fan, right? And a lot of people are his fans. He, it's possible to be in his fan club, and many people are, and not know him personally. See, if you're in his fan club, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna like, go to his events, right? You're going you're gonna to cheer. You're going to be loud. You're going to go crazy. You're like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. You know? I mean, you are more than just a religious person if you're in his fan club. You might even do what these guys here do this morning. You might dress up like he, like he does. You might, you might really try to be a big-time fan like these guys are in the NFL right here. See, these guys, these guys are fans, right? They, they know what's going on. Even one person there has the, de, the delusion that they're an owner of a team. I, it's crazy. I don't know. But, I mean, these people are, are fans, I would say when I go to football games, um, I, I might wear my jersey or I might wear a hat, but I don't do this. Like, I don't get dressed up like that. This is like next level fan club-ness, right? Like, I go there and I think, that guy is nuts. Like, he's crazy. And these guys are yelling, they're screaming, they're all, you know, they are fans. They are super fans. But you know what? They're still not on the team. It's pretty fun to cheer for your favorite team, isn't it? Especially if they're winning, which we don't know how that works in this, in this state, but whatever, you know. It is fun to watch them win. It's fun to cheer them on when things go well. Yeah, awesome. But see, Jesus never wanted fans. Jesus wants friends. And again, church, I... I I, I gotta be clear on this. It's so easy for us to take a place in our lives where we forget that love and commands is tied together. 
and start to think we can do one of those two things without the other. Jesus never wanted to listen. Let's listen to the whole text again. It says here, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now that is critical stuff right there. Rooted and grounded in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. Now listen what he says right here. He says, I pray that you being rooted and grounded in my commandments. No, no, no. I pray you being rooted and grounded in your church attendance. No, no, no. I pray you being rooted and grounded in your giving or this. No, none of those things. Yet isn't that sometimes how we gauge where we are in life? No, being rooted and grounded in love. It may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love. That surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know how Paul was able to write verse 20 from the prison walls? Because Paul had a grasp on this. Paul knew what it was like to walk and be rooted and grounded in love. Now, when rooted, when you are rooted and grounded, if you're a tree and you're rooted and grounded, you are obviously going to be in a spot, the right spot. You are going to be taking up water and nutrients and things from the ground, and that's what's going to feed the vitality for the tree. It's no secret, I've told this before, but I am not a green thumb. On the day that God handed out green thumbs, I was gone that day or something. I don't, I don't have that ability. And so I am not great at doing this, but I like to try. And I have a yard, and I don't have a lot of trees. And so I seem to keep trying to plant more trees in my yard. And so last year, um, I, I and Andy Carlson, went, we went down to a, 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 a place in um, Lester Prairie to buy some trees. It was actually a, a, it was a, an auction. They were selling these big, giant, beautiful trees, well cared for, well loved for just cheap, cheap, cheap. So I like that idea of cheap, cheap, cheap. That's my favorite thing. So I'm like, let's go. So we go down there. We take this big, long trailer, full-size truck. It's huge. And we buy a ton of trees at this, this sale. And so he bought five. I bought five. And one of my five trees that I bought was a giant clump of, uh, of birch trees. It was huge. It was like this big around. It was just massive. And, and so it was so big that when they loaded on the truck, they had to have a forklift. And they Put it on there, and the guy said, how do you get this off this trailer? And I said, I'll figure it out. And so we get back to my house, and it is huge, okay? And so it's one of the last trees on the trailer. We, we get to my house, and we have to kind of, well, we get there. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> so it's me and Andy that are trying to do this, just us. And so I'm helping him. He's helping me. And so we start pushing, and we start pushing and pushing. And we can't do this. And so we work and work. My neighbors had to laugh so hard watching me try to do this, I get this, we finally get enough of inertia to roll off the trailer, and it rolls off, and the tree just, boom, hits the grounds. 
And then we drag it over to this spot, and I couldn't do it. Actually, my neighbor who was watching us, I, that's not a joke, he really was watching us, laughing at us, finally comes over with his fork or his, like, front load skitter thing. I'm like, you had this the whole time. He goes, yeah, I was, I was why you guys were funny. You guys were just funny. So he's, like, watching us do this. And so he comes over, and he moves the tree over to where I want it to go. And he, this guy is obviously more of a green thumb than I am. He said, you're going to plant this birch tree in your front yard? I said, yeah. He goes, he goes, that's not going to work. And I said, well, it's a little late now, man. He goes, he goes, no. He goes, he goes, your front yard is so full of sand and sand burrs and it's dry. This river birch, and that's how he said it, this river birch isn't going to go in sandy soil. And I said, well, it's too late. <laughs> he goes, well, here's, you can, you can do it. So he gives me some stuff. He gives me some resources, some ideas. He gives me some, uh, go, go buy some of this uh, fertilizer. He goes, water it like every day for like forever. All that water's gonna go through. He goes, if you do that, then maybe it'll have a chance. And so I work on that thing hard. And guess what? The tree like comes to life. It's like, he didn't know what he was talking about, right? He's crazy. And so uh, this tree is coming to life. It's beautiful. It's, 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 the leaves are growing out. And all of a sudden, I come home one day, and I notice the tree starting to die. One or two leaves start turning, and then it starts shriveling and shriveling. And I'm watering it, and I'm working, all this kind of stuff, and nothing is working. And so my neighbor comes over one day. He says, I see your tree died. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, of course it died. He goes, you're planting a river birch in the sand. If you plant it in your backyard, it might have worked. But in your front yard, Steve, it's just not going to happen. And see, that's the problem that we have sometimes as believers, right? We try to plant our Christian faith, our lives, in soil that is pretty sandy and is pretty trouble for troublesome. We think, well, I mean, it's too late now, or I can make this happen, or I can do this, or whatever it might be. And we don't realize what Jesus said here is not just a good idea. It literally is the Word of God. It literally is the only way it works. When he says, you must be rooted and grounded in love. Let me be honest with you on this for a minute. That I can tend to be pretty, pretty self-righteous. I can tend to be pretty self. And you're like, wow, you're my pastor. Yes, I am. I'm not perfect, right? I can have that in my, in my heart for others. But you know what else? I tend to have that in myself more than I do with anybody else. There are so many times in my life when I forget God loves me. My question this morning, church, for you is this. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know that this morning? Do you understand this morning? Do you, have you had a revelation this morning of how much God loves you? See, I can try to make myself look like Jesus I can talk like Jesus. I can act like Jesus. I can do everything to get on the team in my own power. I can dress up like these guys. I can wear makeup. I could wear a crazy hat. I could wear a collar or not a collar. I could do whatever I want to do on the outside. And I can look really good to you. I can look really good to everybody else. And I can look good to myself. And I will fail every time. 
Because I'm not called to root and ground my life and my, my faith on me or on my efforts or on whatever else. I'm called to root it and ground it in love. The problem for many Christians is we try to act like Jesus without being rooted in the love of Jesus. So it looks like, feels like, and sounds like a piano that's out of tune. The piano seems to be working. All the things are right. See, Paul is laying a foundation here for 320 when he says, Jesus never wants fans. Jesus has called us friends. He cares about what's in you. You can try to follow the commandments with faith. Left on the outside, it will even feel like it's faith. But your life won't be changed without knowing the love of Jesus. And your faith will feel like a, like a piano out of, out of tune. First Corinthians chapter 13, of course, we, we know this so well. It talks as the, as the band comes forward this morning. We, we know First Corinthians 13 well. It talks about all kinds of faith things we can do, right? Like you can speak with the tongue of angels. You can, you can prophesy. You can have this mountain-moving faith. And what does the scripture say there? It says it's all empty, it's like a clanging cymbal. These are faith acts. You don't just go and speak in tongues, or you don't just go and do this. These are big deal things. And it says all of that is empty without love. So I'll ask you again this morning, church, do you know Jesus as a person? Do you love him this morning? Let me help you this morning with what a revelation of Jesus will enable you to do. A revelation of Jesus' love will, in, will empower you to forgive. Every one of us has to forgive someone of something. I promise you that. You'd say, not, not me, I'm doing pretty good. I, I promise you that there's something in your life, at some point, you've had to come to grips with forgiveness. Someone has hurt you, someone has wronged you, someone has done something to you. You have every right to hold on to it, and you do. I'm not telling you don't have every right to, you do. It's still ruining you. You cannot come to grips with forgiveness until you come to understand the love of Jesus. Because if you don't, what you're going to first do is you're going to start to look at this, and you're going to start to attach add-ons. You're going to start to attach, well, if this, then this. You're going to start to attach things to it, and it's going to be really hard for you to actually walk in forgiveness. I'm telling you this morning, this will give you the power to forgive. You can't forgive without knowing the Father heart of God and the love he has for you through Jesus. Now, when I say that, you might say, well, my dad was this, or my dad was that. He didn't tell me how what love was. He didn't show me this in my life. That's the beauty of having the Father God as your Father, who loves you deeply. So I don't understand that yet. I don't say you have to right now, but I'm promising this morning this, is that until you understand his love for you, you will struggle with forgiving. It empowers you to obey him. Now, we've already read a scripture for this, uh, but I want to, want to just add this on. And again, if you are a fellow person, a religious-leading person, you literally can't follow God's commands unless you understand the love of God. And you can do it, and you can look like you're getting it, and you can do it for your entire existence. And if you can't grasp God's love, I promise you, you will struggle in some other way. You you cannot obey God without understanding the love of God. See, obeying him is not a burden. It's a blessing. 
It's a blessing to do what God's called us to. It's a blessing to walk as he's called us to. It's a massive blessing. Without understanding his love, it will, it will be a burden. You, you need to understand, this will empower you to love others. There's two places where this opportunity comes. There's to love brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be committed to walking with them through the long haul, through junk even, not because it's going to help you or benefit you, because you are compelled to love like Jesus, and that means laying down your life. There are people in the church that need the love that you have, and that's the beauty of being a part of a body of believers, committed, attending, serving. You have a chance every week to love on someone who stinks and who frustrates you and who angers you and is not like you. Awesome, right? That's good. That teaches you about the love of Jesus. Because guess what? You're not perfect either. Right? God's not called us to love because we're perfect. God's called us to love because we are the body of Christ. Amen? This compels you to love others. It also compels you to love your enemies. Anyone, anyone can love your friend. It's difficult to love your enemies and to forgive your enemies. And it empowers you to grow. And I had a whole thing as you stand this morning across this room. I had a whole thing I was talking about in growth. But I don't want to limit God's in his love and his mercy today by telling you how you'll grow. I just want to tell you this morning that when you understand the love of God, you will grow. You will grow deep. You will grow strong. Your roots will be planted and they will be placed in soil that is rich and full and good. The roots of your life will be planted in, in a space that you'll say, I never thought this was possible to have this. I never thought it was possible to walk like this. And it won't be because you're great and because you've done all this. It's because you planted your life. You are rooted and grounded in God's love. Paul does this, Paul writes this because Paul has a revelation of the love of Jesus. And he continues, he says, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Close your eyes, bow your heads one more time this morning. Do you know how wide, how high, how vast how deep God's love is for you. Because if you don't have that, this is hard. I was watching um, one of my favorite old-fashioned shows. I'm an old soul. I, I just am. I was watching The Waltons the other night. Like, laugh at me now. It's fine. I don't care. You can laugh all you want. I go to bed with a smile on my face. Ah, no. <laughs> I was watching the Waltons there at night. And in this show, in this particular episode, Ben, one of the sons, got in big trouble. He had, and again, I, I spout, heads closed this morning, he could still. His, his, uh, he got in trouble. He went to prison, actually, for jail for a, a short time. He had broken into a house that he shouldn't have been in, and the, he got busted. And his brother, John Boy, was one of the people that busted him going into this house. And he was shocked. And what's even more shocking was when Ben comes home and, 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 and sees his mom, and his mom is just heartbroken that her son was in prison. 
and she felt it shamed the family and shamed everybody and she just didn't know what to do and didn't know how to make it and it was just this, this difficult, you know, awful thing that he had done even though it was just not that big of a deal but it, it was them, it was this huge deal because for them, character matters and so this mom is just, you can tell the mom is just, I mean, just this heart wrenched over this whole thing and grandma and just, and such and so they're, they're sitting down to, to dinner that evening and Ben is sitting next to his father and the food's going around the table, looks wonderful. There's biscuits and such there, and Ben doesn't eat. And his dad notices and says, his dad says, Ben, why don't you eat? And he goes, I can't. Ben said, I've shamed the family, and, and I, I can't do it. I, I just... And the dad looks at Ben, he says, Ben, I love you. You are my son. I don't care what you did. I'm pleased by you. Eat. And Ben is struggling with this for a moment. The shame, the, the bitterness, the, the rage, the anger, the feeling that he has. The families all looking in their direction. They're watching dad and Ben. They're, they're looking at them and Ben slowly reaches forward, picks up a biscuit, and eats. And dad hugs him, and the family moves on. So that doesn't happen if Ben looks at all the reasons, all the things that he has failed his dad, and says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. Church, you can't get to verse 20 without understanding the love that God has you. You will be forgiven. You will understand forgiveness. You will understand grace. You will understand all these things that commandments reveal, but God love, God's love provides. Now the hard part comes in that I can't tell you how to receive the love of Jesus. Because this is what Jesus talks about it being the need for a revelation of his love. You need a revelation of the love of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sin. Lord, thank you for forgiving the sin of each person in this room. Then we come to Jesus, we give our lives and our hearts and our future, we say we're sorry for our sin, sorry for what was be behind us. Lord, we confess our sin. You are faithful and just to forgive us and clean us from all the unrighteousness in our past. Lord, you've done this, you provided this. Lord, because of your blood was poured out, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we remember this this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, everyone said.